Hello and welcome. I'm Dan McMillan, Head of Public Relations at Vitality, and I'll be sharing the second of our Vitality Healthy Workplace podcast series. Today, we're going to talk about recent research that reveals one in three adults don't exercise enough, what can be done to encourage them to exercise more, and how a more physically active workforce means a more productive workforce. But first, I'd like to introduce you to our panellists. Andy McGill is Vitality's head coach. He works with companies and advises them on how they can improve the health of their workforce to boost the business bottom line. James Belsham is a key member of the Britain's Healthiest Workplace research team. Britain's Healthiest Workplace is the largest and most comprehensive workplace wellness survey in the UK. And finally, I'm delighted to welcome our star guest, Olympic gold medalist Dame Jessica Ennis-Hill. She's here to tell us about her mission to get the UK more active. So starting with you, James, um, Britain's Healthiest Workplace found that one third of people aren't exercising enough. What is enough exercise and why do we need to encourage people to exercise more? Well, government guidelines recommend 150 minutes of moderate to high intensity exercise each week. And this can be anything from a brisk walk to a run or a gym workout, for example. I think the positive impacts of physical activity on people's health are well documented, uh, particularly around cardiovascular and respiratory health. Our research shows that these positive impacts amount to around three additional years of life expectancy for those who get a healthy amount of exercise. But there are other less known ways that these benefits manifest, such as mental well-being, for example. Physically active people are at a reduced risk of stress, depression, they're more likely to get a healthy amount of sleep, and beyond these physical impacts there is also a clear behavioural impact. People who are physically active tend to find it easier to make positive changes to other lifestyle behaviours, most notably around, around their nutrition. So there's a clear holistic positive impact on an individual's overall health and well-being. Three years more life expectancy, that is astounding. Um, Andy, um, James has obviously gone into some detail about um, how much activity people need to, to do to, to be more healthy, um, but why is it important that companies should encourage their staff to be more physically active? I mean, surely it's just down to the individual staff member. Mm. Well, Dan, considering how much time we actually spend at work, um, employers are ideally placed to integrate health and wellbeing initiatives into their overall company culture, and then in doing so, improve the health and wellbeing of employees. So I would definitely say that it requires a bit of teamwork between the employees and the employers to gain the overall benefits. So if we think about in terms of with the improved health and well-being through being physically active, we're actually able to engage with our work and we're actually more productive. So in fact, physically active individuals are up to a week more productive per year than those that are less active. Considering this across the workforce, employers can therefore benefit from huge productivity gains with having a healthier, more engaged workforce. In addition, having healthier, more engaged employees will have a positive impact on retention of those employees but then we'll also aid recruitment of talent for an employer who has actually seen to value the health and well-being of their workforce. Great, okay, so we, we, we've spoken a bit about um, why it's important for staff to be, to be more uh, physically active, but Jessica, since you've retired, you're actually on a mission to try and help the UK as a whole get fit and healthy. So, I mean, why do you think it's so important and what have you been doing to try and inspire people? Yeah, I've obviously lived my pretty much my whole life been active and, and physically active in some way. And yeah, from an elite perspective, I've seen the benefits that you can have from training regularly. Um, you know, mentally, you feel so much better when you're exercising and you know and, and treating the body in that way. Um, and for me, it's about trying to get it out to as many people as possible, just to encourage everyone across the country that you don't have to be an elite athlete you don't have to be an olympian but 
finding some way to be physically active can have a massive impact on your life. And it's about having that accessibility of events um, like the one we're doing with Vitality Move to try and encourage as many people to be active, to, to find a way to put physical activity into their life in some way. Great, okay. And uh, James, I mean, what would you say is stopping people from being more active? So I think there are, there are a number of barriers, and one that isn't necessarily specific to exercise is that people aren't always rational in their health choices and naturally tend to favour short-term benefits over long-term reward. So even when people are aware of the long-term positive health impact, other more immediate concerns get in the way. The two most notable challenges for people, I'd say, are cost, so the cost of a gym membership or sports equipment, for example, and time, which is simply the difficulty people find in fitting exercise in and around a working day and other commitments in their life. Illustrating this challenge, when we ask people in the Britain's Healthiest Workplace study about their motivation to exercise more, the majority of people say that they would like to do more exercise. However, when we look at these same people a year later, around half of them have not been able to translate this motivation into actual change. Yeah, I think we've all been there when we uh, think and know we should be going out for a run, but we just really can't be bothered. I mean, Andy, how, how can we overcome these barriers and kind of really help encourage people to get out there and go for these runs or go to the gym or do whatever they need to do? Yeah, well, there's a couple of different things that especially employers can do to help them help their employees with this. So one key step is to to address what this barrier is actually to educate employees on the benefits of exercise. So hi highlighting how exercise can positively positively influence uh, their personal health and well-being, but then also positively impact upon their personal and working lives as well is really important. Secondly, awareness. So what are the things that the employer perhaps already has in place? So for example, um, highlighting that there are on-site showers or actually highlighting the location of the bike storage shed might be enough to prompt employees to actually take action to, to, to address this. And I think lastly is probably to incentivize. I mean, let's face it, we're human and we all enjoy our reward for choosing the right, the right positive behaviors. So for example, some employers actually reward back um, annual leave um, or alternatively even a monetary amount for being physically active. But it's important to highlight here that rewards don't actually have to be big. For example, since the introduction of Vitality's Active Rewards Programme, we find that a lot, many of our clients have seen a huge increase in those employees achieving their weekly step targets as they improve their physical activity levels. Great, okay, so um, incentives and rewards and, um, uh, you know, kind of, having uh, an aim to really go for and achieving that aim can really help you stay motivated, I guess. Of course, yeah. Um, I mean, Jessica, I, mean, I mentioned being a former athlete, it must be really easy for you to stay motivated, to stick to a routine. Is that the case? Um, I'm a very routine-driven person, so I have that in my life and I always will, but it's, it's yeah, very different now. So when I was training full-time, I had a very strict training programme, which was done on a base of four or five weeks I'd know what I was doing every week every day it was all very routine um, and now obviously I don't have that structure to a program and a coach telling me that I have to train so it is very different I have to find motivation in other ways I have to create my own schedule of exercise and when I fit it in and how I fit it in around um, my son and work and, and all the other things that are going on in my life so um, yeah it's very different but it's I kind of feel like a normal person now just trying to find ways of keeping fit um, in your you know your everyday week. I mean I mean I certainly have days where I wake up and I think you know I know I should go out and do something but I just you know I really find me bothered I don't feel particularly motivated. I mean what do you do on those days when you really 
can't be bothered to get out there and, and exercise or, or, you know, do any kind of activity. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have days like that. And I had many days like that when I was training full time. I think when I was training full time, I always had the motivation of championships and competitions um, and also knowing that everyone else in the rest of the world or my competitors were training incredibly hard. So now when I have those days where I'm not particularly motivated and I don't want to get, get out of bed or do a session at the end of the day, um, I find it really helps to have other goals that I've set myself um, in advance. So instead of them being training goals and competition goals, they're, they're slightly different. So I'm working towards something um, a bit different, but always having something to work towards, I think, helps. And what kind of stuff do you like doing? Um, so now it's it's actually quite nice. Obviously, in my week, I, I had a real variety of training, which were all set on the heptathlon and training towards the hurdles, the high jump, the shot put, all my events. Whereas now I have the flexibility to, you know, go out and do a 5K and, and run different distances um, and do just different types of training, which I couldn't do before because my training had to be so specific to my event. So I do enjoy running, I enjoy going on the bike, doing bike sessions. Um, I take quite a bit of training that I did before into what I do now, so circuit training, body weight sessions and fart-like sessions, um, and try and just create a real variety to what I do each week so that it keeps me motivated. Great, so it seems like variety is really, really important then. Yeah, I think so, and I always had that through through my training life. Um, just having something that is slightly different each session does help, so that you you know perhaps you work on your upper body one day, and then you do a more aerobic conditioning session the next day, and yeah, just mixing it up, it kind of yeah keeps you motivated in different ways. Great, thanks. Um, and it, it's physical activity enough, really. I mean, I, I personally, I mean, I can spend an hour at the gym. Um, or go out for a run, I'll be lucky if I burn 500 calories, um, then go back to the office and eat a donut and completely cancel out all my good work. I mean, Andy, what, what do you think? I mean, is that, is that the case? Um, well, what I'll say, Dan, is firstly, well done. You're going to the gym. You're making the first step, so congratulations on that. Yeah. Like <laughs> but I'll just clarify, and it comes back to Jessica's point around variety. So physical activity is really what you do across the course of the day. So this will include structured exercise sessions for example if you go to the gym and you do a specific class or do a specific session so that's your exercise but considering physical activity involves that but it also involves things such as walking the dog standing carrying shopping lots of different things it's actually physical movement so if you consider your in terms of what you've done over the course of the day but did you also sort of walk to the gym and um, have you taken the stairs on a few occasions did you walk to speak to your colleague rather than send that email because all of this physical activity, including what you've done at the gym, will have a beneficial effect. And especially if it's repeated over time, this is the only thing that will lead to long-term health benefit. Okay, so then if we think about um, what you've been eating, again, same thing applies. So it's definitely true that exercise combined with a healthy diet is the only way to achieve long-term health benefits. So if it's once off and your diet is otherwise balanced and healthy, the donut isn't going to hurt. However, if it's a regular occurrence and your diet is lacking in other areas, then over time this will definitely have a, a detrimental effect on your health. Great. So uh, don't beat yourself up too much over that donut then. Exactly. So as long as it's a once-off and it's not a frequent occurrence, I think we can let you off on this occasion. Right. Great. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we've spoken a lot about productivity and about how... Um, 
being more physically active, a workforce that's more physically active, physically active um, is more productive. Um, but James, I mean, wouldn't it actually be detrimental to a company's product- productivity if they told each staff member that they can go out for a run or go to the gym? I mean, you know, if you go if you go to the gym, often it can be like an hour and a half that you can be out of the office. You know, when you actually have a workout and have a shower and get changed, etc. So, w- wouldn't that kind of actually really be uh, negatively impact the company's productivity? Well, I think it's a, a common but understandable misconception that employers lose productive time through allowing their staff to exercise during the working day. Andy mentioned earlier that employees who are physically active are actually five days a year more productive than those who are inactive. And this comes both in the form of absenteeism, which is people being away from work due to ill health, and presenteeism, which is people being in suboptimal productivity due to ill health. The five days a year is the impact purely of exercise on someone's productivity. So other factors such as mental well-being, nutrition, sleep will all have their own impact. And when we take all these health factors into account, we actually see that those with healthy lifestyles can be as many as 30 days a year more productive than those with poor lifestyle health which when you consider it in the context of a company's workforce or wage bill, it's a very significant amount and makes a clear business case for allowing employees the autonomy and flexibility to exercise at lunchtime or indeed around the working day. Okay, so I mean, that, that suggests that um, a company needs to invest in, in workplace wellness. Is that the case? Uh, yeah, definitely. Right, okay. So, I mean, so, so I, mean, I imagine a lot of some of the big companies, they obviously have extremely well-developed workplace wellness strategies. They have gyms in their buildings, they have various other initiatives um, in place to encourage their staff to be more active. They have a big workplace wellness budget. Um, Andy, I mean, what can a small business do to help its staff be more active when it doesn't have that kind of budget? Yeah, definitely agree, Dan. And this is something that we're seeing with a lot of small businesses is that they really appreciate and um, know that they need to do something around health and well-being. However, yeah, you can be limited by resource, by time, lots of other factors. But really, the key element to any successful health and well-being strategy is to place the employees at the centre of this um, and design it specifically to their needs. So a key thing we would always recommend is that start by gathering feedback and insights to see what your employees are actually interested in doing. So this is a really useful exercise that will ensure everyone buys in from the beginning and actually has had their, their part to play in designing the overall strategy. So for example, is it simply about flexibility? So do employees need, simply just need the permission to take a longer lunch break, to attend a class or to go outside to have a walk or a run at lunchtime? And then therefore the employer is given the, the permission to, for them to come in early to, to make sure they're caught up in work or alternatively stay a little bit later and finish later so that they make sure that they're caught up in everything over the course of the day. From a facilities point of view or from the actual things that you need to provide for employees, Again, it does not have to be um, uh, sort of expensive in terms of actually building a gym on site or anything. It can be really, really simple things. Like, so for example, as an employer, do you have an area that you could dedicate where employees could store their gear? So this allows them to decide, yeah, I want to store my gym gear because then I will use that to go to the gym at lunchtime. Or alternatively, yeah, that's the area that I'll use to maybe change into my comfortable shoes or my running shoes to then walk um, rather than take the bus home, for example, on their commute. Um, and Jessica, I mean, I imagine there's, there's going to be some, some working mums listening to this podcast. Um, as a working mum, how do you manage your day and how do you manage to fit in physical activity and exercise? 
Um, again, I think it's through structure and having a routine to your day and to your week. So trying to, as much as you can when you've got young children um, and you're working as well, try and plan in roughly where you can fit in some exercise. Um, and I know it can be unpredictable sometimes. So for me personally, um, I find ways of whether it's, you know, once my son's gone to bed I can go out and do a quick run and I, I make it really simple you know I, I go from my house I do a loop and I come back and I can do that in 20 minutes to half an hour um, or I do exercises while you know he's in the bath and I'm just in the bathroom and he's just playing I can just get a kettlebell and do some squats and some lunges and just do literally 10 minutes of, of that kind of exercise so you're just doing little bits wherever you can fit it in um, and building it up through the week and it's just yeah, finding some kind of routine where you can get a variety of exercise in, um, in some way. And do you find you do something, uh, do you do stuff with Reggie as well that's kind of, you know, that, that's good for you both? Yeah, so I mean, he's obviously had, you know, athletics and exercise as part of his life since he was born. So he'd, you know, he'd come down to the track and he'd see me throwing javelin and hurdling and, and everything like that. So now, you know, I've, I've got little mini hurdles in the garden and he'll do those and he loves that. And he goes, mummy, you know, should we do our exercises now? And he tries to do sit-ups and I, I do mine at the same time. So I think that's a massive thing. If you can try and include your kids in in your exercise and in your routine as much as you can it not only benefits what you're doing but it will also have an impact on their life and they'll have exercise as part of their life as kind of normality really great so something for the whole family yeah definitely brilliant okay um sadly we're going to have to wrap this up now um but before we do please can you each give me one piece of advice to help people be more active so starting with you please james I think it's that, that actually those first steps can sometimes be the most important. Often avoiding being completely sedentary is where some of the biggest positive health impacts come and that the benefit of exercise is incremental. So it's important not to feel that because you've not quite reached the, the guideline of 150 minutes per week that the exercise that you have done hasn't done you any good. Uh, Andy? My key piece of advice is to remember that no gains, be it as an individual or alternatively as an organisation, can be achieved overnight so it does require time planning and dedication to achieve those long-lasting but also sort of meaningful improvements so what I would say is enjoy the journey and make sure that you're always reflecting on your progress because that's going to uh, motivate you to achieve the, the next target ahead and finally Jessica um, I would say for me I've always been goal driven and I think having realistic goals is really important so not setting yourself goals that, that are unrealistic that are really hard to achieve and that you're going to be disappointed and demotivated if you don't get there. Um, having those goals that are within reach that you feel like you can work hard, achieve them and then move forward so realistic goals is, is important for me. Excellent advice. Thank you very much and thanks to everyone for listening today. I hope you found it useful and enjoyable.